Hi, everyone. Welcome to Brownline Church's Midweek Podcast. I'm Vince, and I'm here with Kyle. Hello. And we're also joined this week by our friend Maria. Hello. We are going to continue our discussion from Sunday uh, on Mother's Day. We were talking about the link between celebration and grief. We thought it was a pretty good topic uh, to discuss because we're all sheltering in place, and so lots of rhythms that we're used to about marking and celebrating Mother's Day were thrown off for many of us, Uh, but also because maybe for a lot of us, Mother's Day is a reminder every year of uh, the link between celebration and grief, Uh, and maybe other holidays or moments in your year are reminders in the same way. So it it was a great topic, and we appreciated everybody's engagement. Uh, And we're excited, Maria, uh, for you to join us for midweek podcasting here as we follow up on the discussion. Um, uh, Before we began recording, Maria, you were mentioning that even uh, engaging this topic was sort of like uh, a journey where you weren't quite sure, like, wait, there's a link between these? That doesn't sound right. Uh, And so just curious if you can take us a little bit on your own personal journey with the link between grief and celebration. Yeah. Thanks, Vince, and thanks again for the invite. Um, yeah, initially, when I heard about this talk, grief and celebration as a concept sounded mutually exclusive to me. It's mm. In my head, the first thing that came to my mind was, how can I celebrate if I'm grieving? And if I do celebrate something, does that mean I've ended or I'm not honoring my grief? Um, it just sounded like those things couldn't sit together. Um, and the service went really well and I got to hear everybody sharing how those, those two things, um, came together. So it it felt like I was getting closer to understanding that, but I was still having trouble piecing those two together. The, the use the word honoring grief and I, that, that, that seems, that seems dead on. I don't know. I, I, like that is the danger I think in, um, like you, you don't want to, to say that those two things together is not to put a silver lining around something, right? Like that would be a very different experience. Right. Absolutely. Um, and in trying to figure out what it means for me, um, I found that that honor part really struck a chord with me. Um, one, because I know that people process and grieve uh, differently. And uh, something that I struggle with is if I'm perceived, you know, perceived to be, you know, outwardly happy or celebrating, um, to other people, they might think that I'm not grieving about something, mm. um, but that doesn't mean I, I can't hold the tension between those two things. And so am I, am I really honoring that grief? What does it mean to grieve for me? Is that, you know, constantly in this, uh, in a state of you know, sadness or, you know, how can I still honor and respect that um, while also um, reaching for that gratitude piece, reaching for the meaning? Um, and celebrating, you know, whatever, you know, life or whatever thing that I was, uh, that I am grieving about. You know, and I think right now we're in a weird space where all celebration right now comes with grief, like, because, uh, you know, we're in a pandemic that's affecting people globally. And so there's almost a sense of like, 
uh, to celebrate anything right now is to have to do that in the midst of grief because we are experiencing loss on a daily basis. Like on Mother's Day, it feels profound on those moments. When you have birthdays or anniversaries, these big pinnacle moments, we're like aware of the loss that we're experiencing. And so to right now, to be able to celebrate is almost in some ways, I think, forcing us to to walk in the tension of grief and celebration because uh, it's it's almost impossible to escape grief. And I think uh, that part of the risk we have right now is that some people uh, choose to not celebrate or forego celebration because of some sense of maybe feeling like they're not honoring the, the hardship of what's happening or uh, otherwise because they don't feel like they can celebrate in what was, that the, the loss of um, what it means right now actually steals from the ability to feel like they can celebrate things. I'm, so I'm feeling something come up in me, and I wonder if you guys feel similarly, or maybe maybe this is just a, a unique way I'm wired, but I'm thinking about how, how mindful I am in this conversation of like um, how I appear to others or how other people perceive me. And I can I can tend to feel really con- like controlled by that in in a way that I, I wish I wasn't. Um, but there is a sense of like, oh, if I am if I am in a celebratory mood, and somebody else is in a place of grieving, um, are we destined to miss each other? And and I long for that not to be the case. You know, I I long for you know sort of this is the the communal or interpersonal version of what we're talking about. Like we can hold two emotions inside of us at once. I wonder if a community can hold two emotions inside itself at once or a, or a, a friend group or, or two people. Um, but I, but I often feel afraid I, because it's, it, it, maybe this is the vulnerability side of this, uh, of, of it's vulnerable to celebrate when you know, somebody else has grieved. It's vulnerable to grieve when you know, somebody else is celebrating how, like there's got to be, um, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, 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 I suppose the only thing I can say is that I long for us to be able to do that, but it is hard, right? Like there, there are unique obstacles in front of us to be able to hold those things, not just in our own hearts, but in, in the context of a community. You know, I, I think it, may, it reminds me of my, my grandmother's funeral. She, uh, uh, wanted to have one of those funerals that's more of a party. It's not, there was no, it wasn't anything like official. It wasn't like there was like a ceremony to it. It was a time of like remembrance and partying. And I think, um, there was this constant balance internally of what does it mean to grieve something when, uh, somebody's like, well, I, what I want this to be is actually like a really, like a celebration of life. And I think the truth is, um, Walking that complexity is actually something we are frequently doing, which is recognizing in any given moment that there are things that we are grieving and things that we are celebrating. And for us to figure out how to hold that tension within ourselves is one thing, but also figuring out how to extend the grace and hold that tension with other people. To Like right now in this pandemic, the grief that different people are feeling, the loss that different people are feeling, the suffering that we're all feeling is quite different and diverse, even though it's the same thing we're going through based off of so many circumstances, whether you lost your job, didn't lose your job, whether you're in a position where you're forced uh, to go to work right now in a, in a place because you're an essential worker, whether you're working at home, whether you know somebody who's gotten uh, directly sick from this disease or not. There's a lot of tension in this space of 
a varied experience within the same overall space. And so to me, it's about trying to figure out how do I hold that tension and extend that grace for myself as well as those around. Yeah, I, I resonate with that a lot, Kyle, um, in giving space um, and respecting and being considerate of how others are processing and um, grieving. Um, as I could put myself in that in that space and you know and know that you know if I'm crying and sobbing and I see the next you know the person next to me laughing, I I know that my first reaction is to well you're clearly not upset about this the death here and I'm clearly more upset about it than you are, um, and the the gut reaction is to judge or compare when to your point everybody's judging or everybody's grieving and processing differently and it's going to look different um, and we still have to create that space for letting someone process the way they need to um, and then also i think maybe the step further is asking for um for space for yourself of this is how i grieve and maybe getting mm. vulnerable with someone to say this is how this is how i'm processing and what i may need of you um, to support me in that so that you don't feel like you're in it alone. I love that, Maria. I think that there is this, th- this intersection of grief and celebration is where um, like the, the rubber meets the road for community because um, it is the, it's the, the poles on opposite side of um, the human experience and a healthy and a safe and uh, a, a good community will be able to make space for both of them at the same time and for every you know gradient in between. Uh, but that is that the responsibility to do that lies both on uh, on well it lies on all of us going two directions, like in one sense to kind of give off the vibes that like, look, this is a safe space for you to bring whatever it is you're feeling, even if it's different from me. But then it also lies on us to to take that responsibility for our own feelings and and ask for what we need, as you're saying, and that um, that I mean, like that that is those are sort of the the asks on us if we're to enter into community. It does require vulnerability. It does require kind of stepping out of ourselves and and doing things that can feel hard. Uh, but the 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 benefit that we get of it, it truly does become that safe space for me to feel whatever it is I'm feeling. Um, that, that is really, I think what we're, what we're shooting for. I think that in, in all of this, I think you have this, uh, challenge of vulnerability and, uh, both celebration and grief are vulnerable acts to like actually celebrate and to actually grieve are vulnerable acts. And not only do you have to have, be willing to enter that space yourself, but you need to be, um, in a place that feels safe to be vulnerable. You need to be in a space where people have grace and are not just expecting your thing to look one way. But there needs to be this, uh, you know, Renee Brown does talk about these people that have, have earned your vulnerability. And I think that that is something that's a challenge in, in, in celebration and grief because we, us, in a lot of places in life, um, we've not been met with people who have earned it. We've not been met with grace, uh, particularly growing up as a child. You know, part of being a child is other kids that are not always so nice to you when you are vulnerable. 
And so we kind of learn and internalize that maybe it's not safe to be vulnerable and grieve, and maybe it's not safe to truly celebrate the things we're celebrating because that vulnerability puts me at risk. And I think part of what a good community does and part of what, to me, an experience of Jesus that feels alive is, is the safety to be vulnerable, to let, to let myself be seen in what's going on. Um, but the truth is, I have a lot of buildup of the opposite. And so it's not easy for me just to step into that vulnerability when it comes to grief and celebration. That like I find myself needing a lot of, I don't know, rails, a lot of structures, a lot of things around me that invite me into that. Because I almost have like a callus built up that I almost have to break down in order to actually step into actual grief or actual uh, celebration. You know, and I, I wonder if any of that feels true for you guys as well. I remember two experiences, both from middle school, of uh, one being one being on like the celebration side of things and trying to share that with two friends and them laughing at me. I remember that. Um, and then I remember uh, on, on the other end, uh, not so much grief as um, uh, anger, uh, but sort of in the same wheelhouse there. And expressing that and also being laughed at. I, I have both of those memories. And yeah, I mean, that totally feels like that has shaped... It, it took work for me to um, find myself. It was, it was actually, for, I think, the, the first place I learned to trust that, um, that there was safe space was in church settings. Um, and, and so I'm grateful for that. Um, that uh, I mean, that drives a lot of the energy of why I wanted to be a part of starting this church. Um, but I'm curious, do you, have you guys had like formative experiences from youth or from um, growing up that told you, um, to, you know, spaces are not safe to be either on the celebratory or, or grief side of things? Yeah, Vince, that, that hit me um, really close because growing up, we, we didn't really have a space to share or to be that vulnerable. If we got sick, if we were upset, it wasn't a negative, but it was somewhat taboo you just didn't talk about that mm. um mm. you kept that to yourself don't say anything and um or you get over it you know fuck up and let's let's yeah. keep you know keep yeah. moving um you weren't or if i felt i wasn't um able to process so now as an adult um it's hard for you because know, i have to do um some reprogramming in my head of of how i process and how I feel feelings and how I release some of that um, that I didn't have necessarily growing up. Not as it was necessarily a bad thing. It just wasn't, it wasn't our norm uh, to do that. Um, and then you grow up and realize, oh no, other people are, <laughs> are able to express things. And you're, you know, there's some, you need to, as like a, your physical and mental health, you need to physically and, you know, express and feel these things. Um, so it's it's been a growing process for me to to acknowledge that to see what uh, self reflection you know what am I feeling and what is this um, some part of that is struggle for other people to understand that grief is not finite that it doesn't have an end date expiration there's no finish line if you're in it you're in it and it's gonna come in waves and. Um, but what helps is like if there's a um, like what Kyle said, if there's some kind of ritual or or um, some kind of structure or ceremony to help 
initiate or kind of guide you in that grief. But I think what's happening with the pandemic is that you know, we we all experience a grief, a death of the life we knew before, uh, is what in this podcast with Brene Brown and David Kessler they talk about that. It's like it's it's gone, and we're we're all collectively trying to process that, but we may not have given it that name that it really is grief. And um, you know, where do we go from here? Uh, but that it's not going to be something that where where there's a finish line. And so if there's no finish line. You do have to hold tension with other feelings because you don't want to hold it in in the the highest extreme. You know, I was, I was thinking about where do I feel permission to be vulnerable? Like, where do I feel like I'm able to step into those things? And the truth is, you know, I was listening to um, Pete Carroll and Steve Kerr, uh, an NBA and NFL coach, talking, and they were talking about uh, they actually they were talking with Brene Brown about vulnerability in sports. And they were saying for a lot of people, sports is the only place that they've learned to be vulnerable. Like to go out and play a game every day is to expose yourself. It's And it's actually in all of the other places of life that that vulnerability doesn't translate. So what are some of the things that I feel the most freedom to lament? It's that we don't have sports right now. Like why is The Last Dance such a meaningful thing in terms of a documentary about sports right now? Is because I actually have a model and a structure and sports is all about rituals. You know what? Right now, we should be playing baseball. And I know that because it was Mother's Day weekend. And Mother's Day weekend is the point where all the baseball players wear pink. Like, that's a thing. And I know it because it's a ritual. And I think for me, it's helpful to think about this in terms of what are all the other things in life that I don't have structure for grieving? And how can I build in frameworks that help me do that? And honestly, it's a struggle for me. I don't, I don't know if I have... I don't have a lot of other things that I say, well, this is a point of grieving. You know, and one thing Vince and I talked about when we created a, in November, we do this uh, Remembrance Sunday, where we're pausing every year to do that. And I think that was one of those things that, like, uh, for me was like, we should do this uh, in, in an aspirational way for me. Like, I don't do this well. And so I think for a church, I, I need help. And so we need to make sure that every year we're taking a Sunday that is just about remembering loss. And I think it's it's one of those moments like right now it would that that's the kind of thing we need in, in a more ongoing way, um, something that is allowing us in a, in kind of a ritualistic way to let go of the loss that we feel, because if we don't, we're just going to end up dulling that emotion. You know, what Brene Brown talks about how we don't we don't get to selectively dull that when we dull sadness and grief, we also dull joy and hope. And I think that's true. That's why for me, sometimes it is hard to celebrate because it's kind of like, you know what, it's. Complex emotions are, are complex, and if I have not been given help in processing those, it actually becomes equally as hard for me to step into the positive emotions as it is the negative ones. Yeah, the um, where you said we didn't, you know, we don't have a, a ceremony, or you know, we didn't bury the, you know, the first part of 2020, or like the <laughs> previous years, like we buried this old life to kind of start, you know, healing process. It reminds me like um, of my pet. It's like there there aren't very, you know, there aren't, you know, I guess rituals or ceremonies for when you have a pet loss. So I've been struggling with people looking at me funny or saying something to me about, you know, it's been a year, it's been over a year now. Why are you still upset? Just a dog versus like a family member that's that's passed away. But 
you know, how I process that is different. And I think it, for me, it's hard because I didn't have a ceremony um, to help start that healing process. So it's like gone off kind of on the rails. But it, had, it has real parallels to me with the pandemic part is that I didn't treat it initially. I didn't see it or feel it as grief, as a loss of this life. It makes a lot more sense now uh, that it's that way. And we also didn't really have a, um, a transition period or, you know, kind of kick off to that healing. It makes me think about a lot of, for me, the felt experience of good faith. A lot of the felt experience of an interactive relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit has been uh, breaking away the things in my heart that are getting hardened and softening my heart to be affected by the world around me, to be affected by what's happening. And I think that's a lot of what grief and celebration at its heart is. It is being affected. It's it's walking through the the suffering and the the joy of life and actually allowing yourself to be affected by it um and i think to me it's a sense of in order for us to be in a place where we can give safety to others that we can be those that are trusted with vulnerability i think we we first have to do the the work of vulnerability that we first have to do the work of softening ourselves you know, before the call, Maria, we were talking about Brene Brown's difference between sympathy and empathy. Uh, and this is just what that's about. In order for it to be a safe receiver of other people's vulnerability, we need to meet them with empathy, which must come from a place of an emphatic experience that we have had, and not just a place from remove, removed observation. And so I, I think to me, what I can do in this season is trying to think about what are the threats right now that are threatening to harden myself? And then what are the ways that I can invite the Holy Spirit and other people to help myself be softer and affected in what's happening? Yeah. Um, for, yeah for me, it's been transformative this season. Um, in that space of vulnerability, I've seen, um, you know, personally, you know, with my father, who is he's a very reserved man and that's he doesn't necessarily share his feelings um but he's also where we get uh, our anxiety attacks from <laughs> so you can tell he gets upset about them some things but um on the outside and he's been able to share with my mom how he's feeling and open up more and you know hearing that from the siblings is like oh yes great because we haven't seen that side of um of him and uh you know with me um in talking to to my friends um i was telling my mom oh i miss them i miss seeing them and she says well have you told them that and i said no they know and i was trying to think when was the last time i told you know my friends that i miss them and like especially now it's like i really do <laughs> really do miss you guys and um so it pushed me you know to get over the fear of oh what if they laugh at me you know what if, what if they you know don't understand um and you know to go for it and say yeah i'm just going to tell you how i'm feeling and when i'm feeling upset hey this is this is how i'm feeling and it's been met with um only love on the other side it's like support whether they understand it or not it, it's just been very supportive so it's nice to see that that's changing 
people's hearts and getting people to to be in a vulnerable spot um you know even personally in my family yeah i wonder how in the spirit of what you're talking about i wonder how much better we will be at celebrating having gone through this uh collective crisis together um it strikes me maria also as you're sharing that they know um you know like that that's actually not the issue like that that you're that that somebody knows that you miss them is actually not like that's how, of course they know like we all miss each other right and what 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 needed to happen there was not so much an increase in knowledge for your friends but it was an increase in connection with you yeah. and uh, like it would actually receiving the the information from you directly was moved things in a way that just like the abstract idea of like I'll bet Maria misses me like if they asked you that they'd be like yeah well obviously Maria misses me yes uh, but then but to actually like hear it to 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 experience that in real time changes things again it gets back to the safety like oh my gosh that that is a that that is easier said than done yeah definitely I was thinking about uh, you know we talk about celebration and you know we talk about the ritual celebrations which are really important like Mother's Day Father's Day birthdays anniversary those things are important because. It's almost like uh, in the way that we weekly take communion to pause and yeah. recognize something, recognize that we have need. Those are moments like we, we pause to recognize motherhood. This is a really hard and important thing. And if we don't pause, we're just going to keep going. We need to do that. Birthdays. Oh, you as a human, you being born, amazing to do it. But I also think about the celebrations in life that are that are not ritualized. It's uh, it's actually a hard thing to pause and um, you know, recognize when somebody else has done something, experienced something that you're like, hold on, we need to stop for a second and celebrate what just happened here. I feel very fortunate in my other job that I have a boss that is constantly asking us to pause and recognize things worth celebrating. Mm -hmm. And I cannot tell you, it is transformative in terms of like your heart and your willingness to do a job. If you are pausing and recognizing like, yeah, there's a lot of hard things but right there. That was worth celebrating, and we need to do that. Or pause, and we need to recognize that was really hard, and we need to acknowledge that. And I think that's another thing that is hard for us to do in a very work-focused culture, a very production efficiency-focused culture, is to slow down and say, what do we notice? What are the things we're celebrating? What are the things worth uh, grieving? And I think that's why the Ignatian examine has been such a helpful tool for us in this church. It's that pause of what is something in the last day worth being grateful for? What is something that I have needed? Because we don't do that naturally without yeah. actually creating, creating space for it. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's end with a few takeaways from anybody. For my uh, my own part, um, I think I think my takeaways would be. I mean, one the the obvious um, name that's come up a number of times is any of the work by Dr. Brene Brown has been uh, really great, and she. Uh, has recently launched her her own uh, podcast in in, uh, in uh, during COVID nineteen, and so uh, so that's been a helpful one for uh, a lot of us. Uh, and then the other thing I, I guess I would throw out is like, man, Pixar movies are just like can I can I just say like they are an avenue into this? And I mean, uh, Inside Out is literally about being able to hold two emotions at the same time. So like that one's great. Um, but then also like an interesting one that I, I thought of because um, um, it, during the course of discussion on Sunday, uh, we asked like if anybody has ethical or uh, ethical, <laughs> ethnic or cultural uh, backgrounds that inform the way that they are able to celebrate or grieve. And one person uh, wrote in uh, that their tradition uh, marks Day of the Dead. 
and uh and and coco the movie coco from pixar like taught me so much about uh the day of the dead because i was a poor uncultured white kid and had no idea of the beauty and um and and meaning behind this holiday and i just thought like that was that that's another picture of something that just really like having rich backgrounds and having rich um like you build up an experience uh over time doing something again and again and again that uh allows it to uh to speak to you and help you when you when you are in a time where you need it other takeaways guys I think for me, a takeaway in all this is recognizing what are the the things that help you feel. <laughs> and so Coco picks on, I mean, music, this is, I mean, one of the, the gifts of music is that it helps us feel. And nothing is quite as awesome as when you've had a great day and you find the perfect song that feels like an expression of that joy. And yeah. nothing is quite as consoling as finding that song that hits the right level of grief and lament in the midst of your own grief and lament. And so to me, uh, I think this season of finding finding music that helps us feel. And then secondly, I think making sure that we are sharing our experiences with other people right now. Like, what are the griefs you're experiencing and, and have you told anybody about it? And what are the joys and the victories you've experienced, even small ones of like, dude, I did all my laundry today. I made it through. I only watched seven episodes of Netflix instead of 14. <laughs> and just figuring, finding somebody to celebrate with us right yeah. now, I think is important because when we're not around people, people aren't noticing us quite in the same way that maybe when we are around other people, you might just get that shared experience a little more straightforward. Very good. Yeah, I just echo what uh, actually Vince, your in-laws said on the, the call of honoring goodness. Um, you know, giving it that space. It's so easy to focus right now on the things that we've lost or the things that are difficult right now. But, you know, to Kyle's point, acknowledging a win, that's a win. And uh, giving space to, to honor that is still valid. Um, I just throw out that the, the episode or the podcast episode with David Kessler, who's a grief expert, is very, very powerful. Um, and they talk about a parable on long spoons. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard about that one, but that one was, mm -hmm. hit me really close to the heart. So I'll just suggest that we'll read up on that or, or listen to them talk about it. Um, that was very powerful. All right, very good. Well, if you're connecting with the conversation, some places to go from here. Uh, we're appreciative to everybody for listening. Thank you. Uh, a special thanks to Maria for joining us. And uh, we're asking again for your feedback. We're asking for you to uh, follow up with us and tell us how is the midweek podcast hitting you and what could we do to improve it? Uh, and how can we make it something that is more useful to you as we're trying to uh, live out life and, and see uh, our faith interwoven in that in a helpful way? So please let us know. Brownlinechurch at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Till next time, we'll see you soon.